What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Our American Story, and some of our favorite stories are of Americans driven to undertake utterly unreasonable quests, folks who push themselves because they couldn't bear to have it any other way. And today, we're talking with Dean Carnassus, otherwise known as Ultra Marathon Man, one of Time's top 100 most influential people in the world, and a New York Times bestselling author. Dean's claim to fame is doing things like covering 350 miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes of sleepless running, or traveling 50 states in 50 days and running a marathon each of those days. And you know those 200-mile relay races that teams of 12 take on? Well, this guy runs those solo. Dean has also written multiple books, including Ultra Marathon Man, Confessions of an All-Night Runner, and his latest, The Road to Sparta, reliving the ancient battle and epic run that inspired the world's greatest foot race. And Dean, thanks so much for joining us. I'm exhausted just listening to that introduction. I think you need to take a run. <laughs> well, Dean, I have a beer, yeah. I don't have a beer and run. Yeah. <laughs> hey, before we get into your running and other accomplishments, we love to talk to almost everybody who walks through this door of our interview process. Where were you born? Tell us about your parents and what are the things in childhood that you think shaped you to become the guy you are today? I was born in Los Angeles. So California, born and raised. Uh, I'm 100% Greek, so I'm from uh, uh, Greek grandparents. Um, 
I remember running home from a kindergarten when I was six years old. Uh, I was the oldest child, and when we had my my youngest sister, uh, so we've got a I've got a brother who's a little bit younger than me, and then my sister. I remember my mom was having a hard time getting me home from school, and my dad was working two jobs. So I just said, "Mom, you don't have to worry about getting me home." And she said, "Well, how are you going to get home?" And I said, "Well, I'm just going to run home." <laughs> and I remember really enjoying running. I remember sitting in the classroom. Uh, just waiting for the bell to ring. You know, what young kid, especially a boy, wants to sit still and pay attention? I mean, a young boy wants to run around and go wild, and I just remember sitting there in that classroom just, you know, counting down the moments until the bell rang and then running home. Dean, I still don't want to sit still and pay attention, so I think that's just all of us. (laughs) We're both alike, yeah. (laughs) And so tell me this. You then start to, I guess, do what all boys do, which is increase the challenge. Just step it up a little bit more. Talk about how that happened, increasing your distances as a kid. Well, there's this idea of never stop exploring, and in running, it's very symbolic. You know, I uh, I ran a marathon when I was 14 years old. So that's, you know, 26.2 miles. And I thought maybe that was the furthest that anyone could ever run. Uh, and then I heard about people running further than that. And I, I couldn't believe it. I heard about a 50-mile foot race. And I thought, that's impossible. A human being can't run continuously for 50 miles. i got to try it. <laughs> so I signed up and I ran 50 miles. And, you know, at the 50-mile race, they said, wow, congratulations, you qualified and I'm thinking, qualified for what? For the insane asylum? And they said, no, you qualified for the Western States 100-mile endurance run. And I could not wrap my head around the idea of someone running 100 miles nonstop. I thought, you know, there's got to be campsites along the way. You know, how many days does it take? And they said, no, the starting gun goes off, and you run as though you're running, you know, a mile race around the track. You just run for 24 hours nonstop. And, I, and that just, it, was so, it was such an expansive idea to me that a human being could accomplish something like this. And, and then when I was that human being, it was so empowering. I thought, what else is out there? And I learned about a 135-mile foot race across Death Valley in the middle of summer. So not only was it the most extreme running, it was you know, the most extreme temperatures on Earth. And I thought, that's crazy. A human being could never survive in these conditions. I've got to try it. And I, and I finished that race. It's called the Badwater Ultra Marathon. And I just kept finding these, these new and different and more extreme and intense challenges to keep pushing the envelope to see how far I could go. And that's kind of how I <laughs> stumbled into it, if you will. And I think, you know, we had done an hour with David McCullough on the Wright Brothers. And it just mm-hmm. turns out these guys weren't in it for the money. They weren't in it for the fame. They just wanted to get up there and give it a shot and, and, and fly. And it was a hobby for them. It, they were tinkering for them. And I think this cut to that American spirit, what you're doing, Dean. I mean, it, it, to some it would say, well, wow, how, how odd. And I go, no, how American? Because we Americans do this all the time. Uh, well, you know, and let's face it, how much exploration is left on planet Earth? I mean, and when it comes to physical endeavors, I mean, I know we have folks like Elon Musk and, and you know, SpaceX, uh, missions to Mars and things like that. But as far as you know, scaling the highest mountain on Earth or, you know, crossing the, the, the largest desert. It's all kind of been done. Yep. So now it's, you know, how do you do the most intense thing possible? And that's kind of been, you know, my driving spirit. And, and you're right, I, I do it because I love it. I, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> what do you get when you finish one of these races? You know, you, get, you might get a medal or a trophy. I mean, there's not a lot of cash purses involved in these, but I just love the challenge of, of you know, of, of of actually bettering yourself, and that's what it comes down to. It's, you know, can you, um, you know, can you push through perceived limitations and unlock something that's greater than that? You know, you're just testing your own limits. You want to know what you can do or can't do in the end, Dean, and your challenges. It's just your own personal challenge in the end. You don't feel like you're racing against other people or clocking against other people in your endeavors, do you? Well, you know, I'm certainly competitive in certain elements, but I think I'm competing more with myself than anyone else. So I think at the end of the day, um, the only time I feel like I've failed is when I haven't given it my all. Uh, a lot of these races I do, it's, it's more about survival. <laughs> you know, you might be racing someone for 50 miles during a 100-mile foot race, but the last 50 miles, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're rooting for the other guy as he's rooting for you because it, it is really uh, just about survival more than anything else.
What led you to go for the 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states? I didn't even know that was possible. You know, a guy told me he was part of this 50 marathon club, and I thought, wow, what is this? And he said, I've run a marathon in every state of the union. And I said, how long did it take you? He said, well, I've been working on it for 10 and a half years. And I thought, wow, I'd love to do this, but I, I want to see. <laughs> I don't have 10 and a half years. I don't know if I'll be alive in 10 and a half years. So I thought, what an ultimate road trip is to go out and, and see the country and, and run while you're out there. See the country at you know eight miles an hour. Yeah, that's the best way to see it. And when we come back, more with Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man, here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. This is Lee Habib, and we return to our conversation with ultramarathon man Dean Carnassus. And, and by the way, Dean, before we go on, you know, one of the things we're going to start to do on this show is look at different ethnic groups that come into this country. And it's a tabula rosa when you get here. I mean, when the Italians came here, they got called names. When the Greeks came here, they got called names. The Puerto Ricans came here. The Irish came here. But in the end, we all just sort of merged into a giant melting pot. And what's been remarkable as I've looked at what I call ethnic America is how different groups did when they came here. And the Greeks were fierce entrepreneurs and real risk takers. Talk about a little of that Greek DNA, being Greek and what that's meant to you. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, It's been said that, you know, that that no other other culture struggles so much under the weight of their collective narrative than the Greeks. Uh, Let's face it, you know, (laughs) we're under a lot of pressure. I mean, we've got Plato, Socrates, Plutarch, you know, Herodotus, uh, Homer. Um, You know, how do you live up uh, to, to to those sort of expectations, I think a lot of Greeks have have just quietly um, done remarkable things. Um, they haven't been boastful. They've been they've maintained a, a real element of humility. Yep. And there's always been this entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, you know, uh, Greeks are very independent. Um, even the you know the early Greek city states of Sparta and Athens and Corinth, uh, they were very independent. Um, almost separate nations of a sort, but they all colluded and all kind of used best practices uh, to better themselves. And I think the Greeks, you know, the Greeks have said, we can't turn anywhere else. I mean, we're kind of, we've got to help ourselves. They've been very self-reliant is is one quality that I've seen with Greeks. And we're definitely a minority. I I think that uh, Greek Americans make up um, something less than, you know, half a percent of the U.S. population. But, um, Per capita, there are more Greek PhDs than any other class, and it's millionaires as well. There are more Greek millionaires than any other ethnic group. And this is, again, per capita. It's a right. very small small base of people. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm Lebanese, and, and we're a little behind the Greeks, but here's a group of people that come into this country. And i got to tell you, Dean, not many people. I got made fun of a lot. It didn't bother me because my parents said, I don't worry about it. You know, for every person that made fun of you, there's 10 people who love you, and I found that true to, to, to the uh, nature of the American experiment. And the American people, they're really generous. They wanted to try out my foods, the family foods, and they were deeply curious. And that one knucklehead in the crowd, you just had to learn to ignore them and get on with the rest of your life. <laughs> and that's just how- I've got Lebanese friends. I know what you're talking about. They're, they're one knucklehead. They're funny people, really great people. Yeah, yeah, we always just say, let's just turn something really ugly into something funny. Yeah. Um, we, life's short. So let's talk back to that 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. You, you started in St. Louis on September 17th, 2006 with the Lewis and Clark Marathon. You ended on November 5th, 2006 with the New York City Marathon. Uh, talk about some highlights, some lowlights too, Dean, because there have got to be moments even inside you where you're going, what was I thinking? <laughs> Plenty of those moments. Uh, but, you know, it was, a, it was great exploration. I mean, it was, uh, for, for one, you know, just for the listeners to explain how I did this, I had a, a big school bus, 
and my mom is a retired public school teacher, so I brought my kids along. I had two, my daughter and my son, they were young at the point, and my mom would road school them, so she'd basically homeschool them as we're driving around the country for 50 days. Their schools were sending them the lesson plans, emailing them to my mom every Sunday night, and she'd teach the lesson throughout the week. And we all of a sudden became like the a, a, a kind of this traveling um, roadshow where all of my kids' friends from school were so curious, you know, what were the experiences they were having. And then their parents learned about it. So now all their parents were following us. And people started learning about what I was doing. And they were coming out like we'd have 50, 60 people show up at the starting line of a race in Iowa on Tuesday morning. <laughs> That's great. And, and yeah, no, and marathons were flying from Alaska. A guy came in from Japan to run with me. They heard about this, and it just was like this brotherhood that can sisterhood that came together. Um, so that was the you know the the really uh, poignant and, and beautiful moments. You know, some of the low moments were. I remember running a, a marathon in Alaska, and it was snowing and cold. And the next day, I was in Arizona, and it was about 105 degrees, running through the desert. And I remember finishing the race thinking, this is marathon 19. I can barely walk. You know, how am I going to get out of bed tomorrow morning and run a marathon, let alone, you know, 30 more after that? So there were some moments where I really doubted I could do it um, and just, you know, kept that American spirit. Just said, you know, when I'd get out of bed in the morning, I would say, don't think about running a marathon. Just get to the sink, you know, the bathroom and splash some water in your face. You know, okay, that's great. Just just put on your shorts, you know, one leg at a time. Okay, lace up your shoes. Okay, get out the door. <laughs> get to the starting line. Okay, just start running. Just put one foot in front of the other. Uh, so it became, at points, a very uh, uh, cerebral challenge as well as a physical one. Yeah, I would assume that. You know, I, I've gotten into Mike Krzyzewski's life, and he has this saying for all the young guys on the court, and it's not anything else but these two simple words, next play. Not the play before, and not three plays, five plays, in the next game, or the NCAA Finals. Just next play. And so many of the kids and, and, and athletes who played under his tutelage talk about how that helped them focus on just the next activity in front of you. Life didn't become as intimidating that way. Well, and it's more approachable. You're right. Um, it, with running, you know, it gets very granular. I just say, you know, instead of next play, it's next step. Yep. Next step. Next step. Because you tend to look at the mile markers, especially during a marathon. You know, you might be at mile, you might see a mile marker that says mile 18, which means, you know, you basically have over eight miles to go. And, you know, you might be cramping at that point. You know, you might just be completely exhausted. It's demoralizing. It's a heavy weight on your shoulders to think, how am I going to run another eight miles on top of what I've done, don't do that. I just say next step. Put the blinders on about the future. Don't reflect on the past. Just be in the present moment, in the now. Next step, next step. So I really, I can relate to that next play mentality. Yeah, and it's a great thing for life, I think, how to stay in the moment and not get overwhelmed by the exigencies of life, which can easily overwhelm any of us if we look too far down the road or too far back into the past. It, it can be paralyzing. Let's talk about this cross-country road trip. What was jogging across the country like? And by the way, what did you learn about your country when you did this and that 50-day in 50-state uh, adventure? And what did your family learn? Well, you know, I, I learned we're, we're a very diverse country. I mean, you, you, you hear this said all the time, and it's almost cliche, but the regional differences, um, not just with the food and, you know, the dialect, but with philosophy and the way you approach life is so varied as you run across the country. Um, but the one, the one, you know, the, the one uniting thing is that we're all free, and we're all freedom-loving people. So the support I got along the way was remarkable. It was almost like Forrest Gump. I mean, some days I'd be running, and there'd be 40 or 50 people running with me, you know, on a remote highway <laughs> out, in the, you know, out in the desert. Uh, I remember running over the Rockies in a snowstorm and people showing up on the side of the road with hot chocolate. So, we, you know, I, I learned that running can transcend our differences and bring people together. I mean, there's so many things in this world that, that divide us, right, be it, you know, our political beliefs, the color of our skin, the God we worship, whatever. Uh, when I was out there running uh, and people were running with me, it's a commonality. All of us humans share, and it brought us together, regardless of, you know, the food we ate, um, you know, the accent we had. So uh, it was really beautiful. 
you know, seeing the, the support of people that came out. And I'm not talking about elite runners, some elite runners, but some people just coming out to run a mile or two by my side. Yep. And, I, and by the way, what's so interesting to me, I had a dear friend of mine, this Italian guy who was one of my mentors, and he said, you know, if you can do these three things a lot, you're going to have a happy life. Play sports a lot because you're not talking. Dance a lot because you're not talking. And, and last but not least, and this was just, he said, love a lot because then you're not talking. And if you're loving, you're not talking. And, I'll go with the latter. Yeah. yeah, I think I'll go with the latter too. But when we come back, and I think that's what's transcendental is you're running with people. You're not going to get them in an argument. You're running together. You might chat a little bit, but there's something about just running together, just throwing a ball with your kid. You don't have to talk. Throw the ball. It's just the movement, the, the, the movement back. It's just a beautiful thing, as is dancing. When we come back, more with ultramarathon man Dean Carnassus. This is Our American Stories. More after these messages. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash OAS. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, 
The difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. This is Lee Habib, and we're talking to Dean Carnassus, the ultramarathon man, who's also written some books, Ultramarathon Man, Confessions of an All-Night Runner, and his latest, which we'll talk about in a moment, The Road to Sparta, reliving the ancient battle and epic run that inspired the world's greatest foot race. And Dean, before we do that, just a couple of basic questions. I know the audience is thinking, how do you train for this stuff? And how do you avoid knee injuries, foot injuries, and just all around hurting? Well, you know, how do you train for this stuff? <clears throat> you do a lot of it. So, uh, for instance, a couple of days ago on Sunday, there was a, I live in San Francisco. There was a marathon in Oakland. I, got a, I just signed up and ran the marathon, just kind of spur of the moment. So you do a lot of, of running. And I also do a lot of cross-training to avoid those issues you just talked about to avoid knee issues and, you know, those little niggling um, joint pains. Uh, when I say cross-training, I mean what's called high-intensity interval training, so HIIT training. Uh, throughout the course of the day, I'm constantly doing sets of push-ups. I've got a pull-up bar in my office, pull-ups, sit-ups, uh, burpees, constantly moving. Uh, even now, as I'm doing this interview, I'm, I'm walking around the room. I'm standing up. Uh, I write all my books standing up. I never sit down. I bounce around on my toes as I'm writing. So my whole life is built around physical movement. I see life as training and training as life. And I think that people that just run, um, it's kind of a recipe for injury, overuse injury. So I always encourage people to mix it up. And I also encourage people to look at their entire life through the lens of an athlete. Everything I do is to be the best animal Dean can be. So that has to do with my diet, my cross-training, my actual training, my sleep patterns, and it also has to do with interpersonal relationships. Uh, let's face it, if you, you know, if, you, if you don't have a good, solid foundation with your family, uh, that puts a lot of stress on you, yep. and you don't perform at your best. So I really look at my life as, you know, how can I be the best possible athlete as, possible, you know, as I can and do everything um, with that lens. And, in, you know, so often I'll talk to athletes, and we did an hour on West Point, just the institution, because it had produced so many great leaders, military and otherwise, uh, NASA, NASA exploits from West Point, uh, unheralded, and even sports. You know, Mike Krzyzewski was a point guard at, uh, at West Point. His coach, a very young Bobby Knight. Go figure. And, <laughs> and it's just incredible. T t tell me this, in mind, body, and spirit, what is there that you do on that spirit side? Is there a part of that uh, equation that you pay attention to as well? Well, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> that's my running. Um, that's, you know, that's where I find my God, if you will. Yep. Um, running is a, I'm a, I'm an introvert, um, you know, just by nature. So running to me, and if you saw where I ran up in the hills um, north of San Francisco, uh, it's, it's a beautiful setting. Um, I'm out by myself. I actually have a very close relationship with nature. I'm almost more comfortable running in nature than I am in groups of people. In fact, I am more comfortable. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's something that's been lost um, as we've evolved as a species, is we've lost this relationship with the outdoors, with nature. And to me, that's, you know, that, that's part of the human experience. And it, was, it makes me feel spiritually uh, enlivened is when I'm outside running through the hills. Um, and, you know, it, it, unfortunately, a lot of people... Uh, in the industrialized world just don't have uh, access to that experience. Yep. It, you know, they live in cities that are so built up. But I would encourage folks to try their best, you know, even on the weekends, to get somewhere wild and just you know, immerse yourself in the grandness of, of this planet of ours. It's not surprising to me. We broadcast just south of Memphis, and when you draw a circle around Memphis, around 200 you know, miles or so, you're going to find almost all the great American musicians and writers came from this area in the area of music. It's remarkable, and it's these wide-open spaces and this peace of mind and having to fill up your own space. Well, I know, I, you know, it's, it's, ironically, um, I, I've written all of my books. So I've written four books now. I write all of them when I'm running. 
because I have some of my most clearest thoughts uh, when I'm out by myself running. And so I carry a digital recorder with me, and I just dictate in, into this as I'm running, and then, then I type up my notes. And, you know, even Nietzsche said the only, you know, the, the only real thoughts are those that occur while you're moving. <laughs> and, I, you know, so I, I can completely relate to what you're saying there. Oh, it's so it's so true. And and talk to us about the diet thing because you had said you know eating really was a, a fundamental part uh, of you and your performance. And so talk about that uh, that 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 regimen that you go through and what you eat and what you don't eat and why. Yeah, so I've I've really refined my diet over the years, and I've kind of self selected on um, those foods that leave me with the most energy and feeling the best. Um, I eat more of those foods that you know, leave me feeling lethargic and, you know, kind of drag me down, I've cut from my diet. And I've basically arrived at a place where I eat no processed food, nothing that, that has to go through a machine or be refined. So um, I don't eat any grains like rice or oats or wheat. Uh, I basically eat as though I was a Neanderthal man. Um, if I can't pick it from a tree, pull it from the earth, or catch it with your hands, I really don't eat it. And the amount of energy I have, I mean, I can, I can go nonstop throughout the day uh, without ever experiencing a, a loss of energy. So I think that uh, that dietary shift has really helped in everything I do. This, you know, Jack LaLanne, you must know Jack LaLanne. Sure, yep. Yeah, he said, uh, if man makes it, don't eat it. And if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> not, not bad advice. And let's talk about the road to Sparta. Uh, because this, I, I assume, is your most personal book, Dean. Um, why did you write it? And talk about the book, if you can. You're right. It's, it's a very personal journey, and it's about the original marathon and the the Greek runner Phidippides or Phidippides that ran the marathon. And uh, it's a it's basically a history book as well. So, uh, you know, ironically, right now the book is it's number one on Amazon in the category of Greek history. And I'm not a historian, but I delve very deeply into the history of, of ancient Greece and the evolution of running and marathoning. I also learned a lot about my identity, and I think this gets back to what you talked about, um, you know, being uh, Lebanese and wanting to know more of where you came from. So I actually went back to Greece to the very village my grandfather came from and his grandfather and his grandfather before him and discovered a lot about you know, what I'm all about and how I became who I am and where my people came from. And that to me was fascinating. I think that's something that, that you know, we look at the, the popularity of things like Ancestry.com or 23andMe, you know, the genetic test that can tell you where your ancestors came from. Not only did I learn where my ancestors came from, I visited these places and saw exactly how they lived, you know, generations ago. And that was really fascinating. And I write about all this in the book. You know, there's one point in time where you say, at the start, I was surrounded by 350 warriors huddled in the pre-dawn mist at the foot of the Acropolis of Athens. For me, the quest was deeply personal. I'd been waiting a lifetime to be standing in this place. I would finally run alongside my ancient brother. Close out with us those words. Who was that ancient brother? You just mentioned him. And that feeling, running and starting to run by the Acropolis. His name was Pheidippides, and he was part of a class of people called Hemodromi. They were professional day-long runners. They were foot heralds, foot messengers. And his mission was to, when the Persians invaded Greece at the Bay of Marathon, the Athenians said, we need to recruit the Spartans to help us. We need reinforcements. We're badly outnumbered. They dispatched this, this man, Pheidippides, to run 153 miles nonstop to Sparta, to recruit the Spartans to battle. And it was because of his heroic undertaking and his mission that democracy is what it is today. I mean, he basically saved democracy. Greece was the first democratic state, and the Persians wanted to crush him. Had he not succeeded in running 153 miles to recruit the Spartans, our lives would be very much different. And to me, that's, it's, it was incredible to retrace those footsteps and to do it um, myself. 2,500 years later. And that's what we love doing here on Our American Stories, digging into the story of the people we have on. And my goodness, that sounds like the Paul Revere story without the horse. And my goodness, what a big one. Dean Carnassus, ultramarathon man, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories. 
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. This is Our American Stories, and as you all know by now, some of our favorite stories to tell are stories about businesses. We previously told you the story of Jim Keyes and how he rose out of poverty to become the CEO of 7-Eleven and save the company from collapsing after filing for bankruptcy. Today, Jim joins us again to tell another story of 7-Eleven. Here's Jim with a story. Around the time the company filed for bankruptcy, I went to my mentor at the time, the person who had encouraged me to come to 7-Eleven, a guy named John Thompson. He was the son of the founder of 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven started in 1927 with an ice house, an ice dock in Oak Cliff, just south of Dallas. And it was selling 50-pound blocks of ice to people to put in their quote, their icebox. Literally, there was no refrigeration at the time. You couldn't just plug in a refrigerator. So uh, it's hard to imagine that in 1927, we were still doing this. And how did you get ice to Dallas, Texas? So they were a very successful company, but it was quite a process to mine ice, literally, from the north, get it to the south, store it uh, in in an environment with no refrigeration. They had to store the ice literally underground. 
and to sell it in small blocks that people could put in their ice box to keep their, their milk and their eggs cold. So uh, I, I went to John Thompson and said, should I leave the company? Uh, have I made a bad career choice here? You know, I've only been here for five years. I'm still a pretty young guy. You're bankrupt. We're bankrupt. People are saying 7-Eleven has no need to exist anymore because grocery stores were open 24 hours. Everyone else sold beer and cigarettes. And he said, that's precisely the problem. He said, if you go back, he said, I'll just tell you what my daddy told me, the story of the Frigidaire being invented sometime around 1928. He said, here we were sold, selling ice. And we would have gone out of business by 1930. But my uncle Johnny Green, he said, started asking customers what they want. And what they told him was, we don't come here for the ice, we come here for the convenience of buying ice from you. Or how else are we gonna get ice, right? So you make it convenient. Well, now we've got Frigidaire. We don't need ice anymore. We've got our own refrigerator to keep things cold. Why don't you sell us things to put in that? more conveniently than having to run to the grocery store. And so they did. So that literally was the birth of the first convenience store, 7-Eleven, um, that was called Utotem at the time. And, uh, and they emerged from there. John's lesson to me was that, he said, Jim, if you dial forward to 1990, 1991, we've gotten ourselves to the point now where we sell beer, soft drinks, and cigarettes because those things used to be more convenient to buy here than somewhere else. But everybody sells those now. So your job is to find things that people need more conveniently. And if you can do that, there's no reason, he said, convenience will never go away. Beer and cigarettes may diminish, but convenience will never die. And I took him, I took him to heart. I stayed with the company, uh, started becoming obsessed with finding things, whether it was uh, a, a multifunction ATM that we could put in every store, prepaid phone cards that I found in Asia and brought back to the United States, um, a, a beer with an aluminum bottle that you see now, you know, everywhere uh, that we use to differentiate. I found that product in Asia and brought it back here to the United States and convinced Budweiser to make it first. And uh, Lots of ways to innovate with convenience and that differentiation gave us 10 years of improved same-store sales and, and helped make my career. I talk a lot about the American dream now. Uh, and I talk a lot about being the beneficiary of the American dream. But I never really understood it or talked about it in personal terms until I discovered from my first generation 7-Eleven franchisees what the American dream really was. And that occurred in a backwards way. Again, it occurred through crisis, through catastrophe. It happened uh, on 9-11. Um, we were, I was on my way to work. I was actually stopping at the office to pick up a bag and head to New York City on 9-11. By the time I got to the office, of course, the first tower had been hit and my flight was canceled and we were all gathered around the TVs trying to figure out what was going on. And it wasn't long, it was probably right after the second tower fell and there was now confirmation that this was a terrorist attack that we started getting inbound calls about franchisees. Um, we had, in the worst case, right in Chicago, we had an off-duty police officer go up to one of our franchisees, a Sikh, Indian gentleman, put a gun to his head, said, go back home. You just blew up the World Trade Center. So it was a, a blanket stereotype of everyone in our stores from Indians to Pakistanis to Mexican immigrants who were running a store or in a store who were perceived to be the problem. That was a wake-up call for all of us. We invoked our Y2K protocol, which is interestingly enough, we had just come through Y2K without any incident. But thankfully, we put a, a protocol in place that allowed us to communicate with every single store on an hourly basis in case there were problems. So we put that protocol in place and were shocked at the number of incidents that were occurring all over the country in our stores where first-generation Americans were being persecuted for their image, not even their religion or their or their ethnicity, just for their image in the store as non-American, perceived to be non-American. So we, we put a number of things in place. We were the first to reach out to the American Red Cross and said, we want to bury our stores in red, white, and blue. We did the little red, white, and blue ribbons and started selling them for a dollar with a contribution going to the Red Cross. We ended up raising like 300 million bucks in the first 30 days to be able to help uh, in some way. But our, our objective was somewhat selfish. We wanted to 
to Americanize the stores and deflect this, this um, perception that, that people had that we were not American. Um, following that, we, I began to talk to franchisees. Why, why are we? You know, we had been the butt of Jay Leno's jokes, David Letterman's jokes. Jay Leno one time gave me an award here in Dallas, and when I walked off stage, everyone was laughing, and I didn't understand why they were laughing, and I sat down and was told, he just, as soon as you walked off stage, said, can you believe it, a guy from 7-Eleven who speaks English? And, and, and so I, I realized we've got, a, we've got a bad image here that is, is not, I mean, maybe, it's, maybe it is true. Why, why are we so heavily minority in our stores? And I started asking franchisees, what, how'd you get here? Why did you become a 7-Eleven franchisee? And the stories were all very much the same. They were, ironically, they were my story. I came from nothing, or, or I came from a country where I had things and I came to this country with nothing. I came here with $500 in a suitcase, and I knew that hard work in this country would pay off. And so I found that if I go to a 7-Eleven store, I can work on my own, I can either work for another franchisee, and if I work really hard, they'll help me save enough money to get my own business. And then the harder I work, the more I can make. And if I want two stores or three stores, I can get those. That's 7-Eleven, that's Subway, that's McDonald's. It's the same story and many of the franchisees are related. And so if you go to a place like Los Angeles, I found there are interrelated families where, you know, one family would be successful and they'd invite another family to come work in their store and then that would shoot off five more franchisees. And, and I've realized this is the American dream. It's what these people, they've discovered the American dream here and in our own backyard, we have people that think there are no opportunities here and they're not partaking of the American dream. So let's celebrate this. So I took them all to Ellis Island for the 75th anniversary of 7-Eleven. We were bringing a lot of international people to Ellis Island. It sort of freaked out the uh, park police, and the, but we got approvals to do this. We had, we had a massive event there, and I did it on Ellis Island on purpose to celebrate the diversity of 7-Eleven. We had uh, one of those beautiful things. We had a parade of 135 little kids, each carrying the flag, of a, of a country that was represented by our franchisees. All our franchisees from all over the world, from, from China, from Taiwan, Sweden, from, from everywhere, all came in. We had, we had literally 135 or so nationalities represented in the fireworks and the, the whole thing on Ellis Island. But I gave a speech and I brought up a guy who was the head of the franchisee organization. And he and I had discovered that we both lived in the same building in New York City. It was uh, called the College Residence Hotel. It was a little by the day or maybe by the hour kind of hotel. It was a pretty shady place. It was all, all I could afford. It was all he could afford. We discovered that we lived there at the same time and that I was staying there because I couldn't afford a place in New York when I was in Columbia University. I literally drove back and forth because gas was cheaper than an apartment until I found this place that I could actually afford. He was staying there because he came 500 bucks in his pocket and a suitcase. So here we were, two very poor individuals with different paths. I went to Columbia University, ended up at 7-Eleven, became CEO of the company. He stayed in that franchise store, got a second store, a third store, became franchisee of four or five stores in Long Island. He was ironically making more money than I was at the time. But those are two exact outcomes, celebrating the American dream. We both told our story on Ellis Island celebrating the American dream, both different paths, but both classic examples of the American dream. My favorite franchisee story at 7-Eleven. And what a beautiful story, and we're talking about Jim Keyes. 20% or more of all businesses are, by the way, franchisees and franchisors. This new way of doing business that America invented. Story of the American dream, told as well as it can be told. Jim Keyes, his story, his franchisee's stories here on Our American Story. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.